Welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we have a doozy in store this week. Of course, we are kicking off our countdown in earnest to the Cassandro Cup coming up on Sunday, March 28th over on IWTV. Uh, and uh, in doing so, we're going to have a few guests on in the lead up um, that are going to be participating in the tournament there, which we now know will uh, deliver a independent wrestling championship shot at IWTV's family reunion on Thursday, April 8th, down in Tampa at WrestleMania weekend. Um, and today, our first guest is Erica Lee, that 90s chick. Um, I am super stoked to have her on. Uh, she's someone who uh, I've been looking forward to speaking to. Um, you know, lit it up at Butch versus Gore last year and had a stellar 2020 after that. Uh, you know, Paris is bumping, real hot girl shit, all this stuff with Camp Leapfrog. It's just been outstanding to watch. Um, and her match at the first Polyam Cult party, as we'll you'll see or listen to rather, uh, in the in the interview, um, is one that stuck with me throughout that that banner year that she's had. Um, so it's a, a fun, informative, and introspective conversation that I really enjoyed having uh, with someone who has so many different sides to her. Um, of course, referring back to that Polyam Party Cult match, Polyam Cult Party match, I will get it right 90% of the time. Um, <laughs> um, it's just, there's just a different intensity to her and, and, when it comes out, it comes out full force, and, and this is very fitting considering that we just saw another highly intense uh, women's match um, on AEW Dynamite last night between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. My God, what what a match! Uh, just stellar all around, tens across the board. Uh, to borrow a phrase from when we're talking about Paris's bumping, <laughs> it was just outstanding. Um, but yeah, I am super stoked to talk about to talk with Erica about uh, her career and and her insights to queer representation in pro wrestling. Before we get there, though, um, I do want to highlight a couple of things. One, we saw the season finale of Paradigm Pro Wrestling's No Hook last night. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, definitely go check it out. That show, I, I've been, you know, tuning the horn of that show for the length of its run so far, and. Um, did not disappoint in its climax. I'm not going to spoil anything here. Go back and watch it. It's Trust me, it's it's worth it. Um, and then, of course, uh, I had a piece go up this week um, talking about the situation at, with Synergy, Pro, uh, Synergy Pro's demise um, and the outing of uh, Patrick Shea, um, a.k.a. Colin West, um, with his past as a... Uh, registered sex offender there um, that went up on Outsports this week um, had some new details that had not been uh, in other reports and I I take the pleasure in reporting on those things but um, this has been something that's been on uh, on uh, it's been a conversation topic within pro wrestling circles lately and, and we touch on it very very briefly in the interview with Erica and talking about the, the women's garden state invitational in the interview. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a really unfortunate situation all around, but it, I'm glad that Tony Deppen and, and action wrestling and a number of other people, all the people that are donating to Tony Deppen's beer house, um, 
the wrestling community has come together for the people, the wrestlers that are affected. Um, and, you know, this is just another step in really trying to put the foot down and make sure that pro wrestling remains accountable and transparent and that safety is moved to a paramount position in, in the wake of speaking out. So um, definitely check that out. If you if you do, content warning, of course, for sexual assault and um, uh, stuff involving minors there. Uh, definitely don't read it if either of those are um, trauma-inducing uh, for you. But um, alas, with that out of the way, let's get to my conversation with the Technicolor Technico, Erica Lee. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. I am super excited to have as my guest this week um, someone who has been had a huge 2020 in the indie pro wrestling world. Um, you've seen her on Butch versus Gore, Paris is Bumping, Polyam Cult Party, any all kinds of different events. You can check her out coming up. On March 20th with Pro Wrestling Magic, she's going to be challenging for the Dark Arts Championship held by Mr. Darius Carter. And also, uh, you can check her out on March 28th as one of the eight entrants in the Butch vs. Gore Cassandro Cup. The Technicolor Technico, the purveyor of Twitter's finest poo-poo pee-pee tweet-tweets on the internet, that 90s chick, Erica Lee. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I love that intro, the purveyor of poo-poo, pee-pee, tweet-tweets. That's great. <laughs> I don't know. It's just been such a fun little like thing that, that you've been doing over the past few months. It seems like you've just kind of just like pulled off the pulled the door off the hinges to be like, well, this is just a stream of consciousness, a consciousness sort of thing. And it's been super endearing and, and hilarious to watch in um, a way. Yeah, I've definitely let um the the walls come down a bit uh on on the twitter on the tweet machine um and i just kind of tweet whatever is running through my head and if i'm stomping around my house screaming poo poo pee pee then i'm gonna tweet tweet it <laughs> i love it i absolutely absolutely love it um well Erica, I, I'm glad that you're on that we got you on the show here. And I just want to be before we get into any conversation, I just want to be upfront and maybe this leads into our first like talking point here before we get to like any origin story or any of the events that you've been on over the past year to two years. But um, one thing that's been on my mind is looking at uh, looking back at the QWI that I wrote back in December, highlighting, you know, 100 uh, out LGBTQ names in, in pro wrestling. And one of the things that's kind of happened in the uh, the follow up to that is a, a number of, of notable names in pro wrestling, um, basically letting the world know that they were already out, but I, I didn't include on the list because I kept that to my own knowledge. And one of those people was you. And I just wanted to be transparent on the show here that um, if if I had known at the time Erica Lee would definitely have been on that list because you're you had a humongous 2020, um, and yeah, I don't know that it, I just wanted to be upfront about that with you and to the rest of the listening audience that I felt really bad about that. <laughs> oh, no need to feel bad, but thanks for thanks for saying you would have put me on it. I am queer, it turns out. <laughs> um, I think it's uh, 
it's really cool that we have like we're almost spoiled for choice right with with the list that you're putting together i think the fact that there are people who you wanted to fit on it but you just didn't know about or we, we just there are so many queer talents and i think that's a beautiful wonderful thing so it's almost it's a good problem to have right oh for sure for sure and yeah there are like other people definitely that that fit the same bill in, in that way and so much so that i might have to extend it this year i don't know we'll see that's for a conversation for down the line though um but speaking to that like i think the main reason why is that like why i didn't recognize that um is just that you're not like typically that that very vocal about your identity um online which is you know totally valid in a way but also i don't know there's just like i should have just I, I hate to, I don't like to assume those sort of things about anybody, you know, um, in my mind that like assuming that kind of robs people of their own agency when it comes to discussing it and even having their identity out there in the way that they want it to be. For you, how, how do you approach that, that sort of thing, being part of the community, but not like, you know, throwing it up on a billboard with like 10 spotlights on it, like, like other people do? Yeah, um, I think we're we're in this again like kind of good problem to have situation where um like you can't you can't assume any anything about anyone and um it it is i mean i always assume that people are gay and or obsessed with me that's just how <laughs> i operate but um it it um it is my 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 sexuality isn't like the most important part of my personality for me. Um, it's just another thing about me, and I don't uh, like. I don't. Um, I, I I guess I just don't feel like I would. I would so much rather talk about poo poo and pee pee. I don't know what it is. It's just. It's not like at the top of my list to be like. And this is important. It's just. It's just another thing that happens to be true about me. Um, and I'm extremely um, aware that I have a lot of straight passing privilege. Like I do not fear for my safety and a lot of, um, a lot of other people in the community do. So um, I, I recognize that like people assuming I'm not queer is, is not hurting me, you know? Like I, I, I'm okay with it. It's, it's not gonna, um, it's not gonna get me into any any like tizzy. Um, I think queer spaces in general are just so like comfortable for me. Um, they're beautiful spaces where you really see people being themselves in a way that you know isn't possible in other spheres. So I, I love being in, in queer locker rooms and queer friendly spaces. Um, even if sometimes people don't know why I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like you said, like it's like a, sec a person's sexuality is not 100% what they define themselves as, it, but it, it's it's a part of, of you. And I think one of the things that's, things that's been interesting to watch the, the growth in the population of out queer pro wrestlers over the past few years is just how many different representations of queerness we're seeing. You know, we can go... Yeah as flamboyant as we want as much as i don't like using that term because it gets overused so much when pro wrestling speaks to queer identities 
Um, but you can also go completely to the other side where it's like literally, yeah, this is me, but that's that, that has nothing to do with anything presentation wise. For you specifically speaking to like straight passing in a way, because I think that's something that, that does, um, I think that that's something that's kind of weighs on the mind of, of a number of people um, that aren't as, you know, outwardly presenting in a way for you, like seeing all these different representations of queerness in pro wrestling over the past year, what does that say to you about um, maybe how, I guess about how you present yourself, but also like looking at how that, where that sits amongst like all the all the various presentations that we've seen um i think I, wow the yeah the theme is just good problem to have right like um <laughs> yeah being being able to um let down our guard a bit i think we see the same thing um at at like pride marches right like we we don't have to feel so like gatekeepy or like protective over these spaces that we alienate other queer folk. Like just because you see a couple that you think is straight um, doesn't mean you need to like call them out and shove them to the back of the room or something like that. Like you don't, if, if you don't know them and you don't know their, their identity and you don't know <laughs> if they're queer or not, it's not up to whoever to, to police the situation um, because we don't, we don't have to protect our circles quite so strongly as maybe we used to. Hmm. So I think, yeah, just the, it, it's, it's a, a weird crossroad to be at because wrestling is such an aesthetic business. Um, it's such an industry based on visual um, presentation that, you know, every character is, is being turned up to 11, being, being, um, you know, like, shadow puppets or whatever like you're taking whatever maybe it maybe it's based off your personality maybe it's not but like whatever your character is you're turning it way way up so if your sexuality is part of your character um or is part of what um you want to present then yeah you might be turning it up to 11 you might be putting on um a more obvious quote unquote um queer presentation, whatever that looks like to you. Um, it's also a business based off of stereotypes. So I'm really glad that we're seeing so many different representations of queerness um, and not just, you know, the stereotypical um, presentations, which are often like, you know, mocking and not done by queer folks. So it's really nice that we're getting away from that. <laughs> No, that's that's definitely for sure. Like, I'm I'm glad that you know the people that are doing those those style of of gimmicks or, or personas are you know part of the community and they're doing it in a way that you know speaks to the community, but also you know has an authenticity to it in in a way. Right. Yeah, I, I I've worked um, uh, because I started in the South. I I I've seen some very very different locker rooms from the ones that I work in now. And I remember going to a show and seeing just these grotesque um, um, stereotypes of gay men being performed by straight men uh, as their quote unquote gimmicks. And it's not, it's just, it's not 
like good art. And I know that's how, like not always um, <laughs> like wrestlers, so many different types of, of wrestlers now um, and so many different circles uh, within the, the industry and from state to state. But it, it's just, it's, it, it's so outdated. It's such low hanging fruit. It's, it, there's, you know, everything wrong with it, right? Like outside of the obvious homophobia, um, right? Like you, you don't even have to get into the morality of it to critique it as an art form. Um, so going from that type of show um, to then working in more um, queer friendly locker rooms and more um, diverse locker rooms. I remember uh, the first time I saw someone who was queer and I didn't know if it was just a gimmick or not. And I was super wary and I was like really skeptical. And I, I like didn't, I don't remember if I said anything or if I was just like trying to like parse out through like context clues as I was talking to them. But um, eventually he was just like, oh no, yeah, I'm bisexual for real. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, like, whew, okay. Like I'm all right, I feel much better now. Okay, good. Like, but it just coming from, you know, an area where more likely than not, the gimmick is trash and the person is trash. Um, I was just skeptical and, and nervous. So it's, it's really nice to see um, the locker rooms that I work in now and the, the shows that I work now are so much more inclusive and diverse and you don't see crappy stuff like that um, very often. So that, does, that definitely does feel good to, to get away from um, those, those <laughs> shitty people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I mean, that's a very fitting term, I think. <laughs> so yeah. it works for me. <laughs> well, speaking of, of like starting up in the South, like I do want to kind of get to your like origins in wrestling as well. Um, so when was the first time that you ever um, like were exposed to pro wrestling? Oh my gosh, it was 2015. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, I remember being in, in like elementary school or yeah, elementary school, maybe like fourth or fifth grade and thinking like, oh, wrestling, weird kids like wrestling. Um, that's like the <laughs> earliest thought that I can put to, to pro wrestling, right? Is like me being a kid, being like a, a dumb little kid, making assumptions about other dumb little kids. Um, but the first time I actually watched it and had like an open mind, um, was 2015. My um, partner, my now husband, we were on like our third date and um, he was like, oh, you get to watch wrestling with me and my roommates. And I was like, ah, this sounds really lame, but I like the guy. So let's see. Um, and it just, for whatever reason, clicked. And I guess it was the first time I really gave it a chance. You know, uh, it just clicked for me that it was like self-aware um, and some people were really serious and scary and intimidating, but other people were like goofy and, and silly. And like, like I said, self-aware, you know, they knew they were playing the clown and that was their job. The clown falls down and we laugh. Um, so for whatever reason, <laughs> uh, stars aligned and I, I like instantly fell in love with it and just have never looked back. Was there anybody specific that you kind of gravitated to once you did start watching in earnest? Um, 
I mean, the, the, the person who really hooked me the first time I watched it, I'll never be able to forget. And it's such a ridiculous, um, person now that I know more about the business and this person in particular, it's, it's so funny to me because it's never someone that I would be like, I'm a huge fan, um, for what will be, you know, soon, what will soon be obvious reasons. But the first person that really hooked me into wrestling was Jerry Lawler. Ah, Okay, I see. Yeah. I see. I see all the preamble now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Jerry Lawler was on commentary, and he does his little yelp or whatever he like that noise he makes, and that's when I was like, click. Oh my god, self-aware clown. Like I, I. That's what made it all work for me, and I was like, it's brilliant. And then you know, obviously, I learned more about Jerry Lawler, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think every wrestling fan or anybody that engages with wrestling for a, an extended amount of time has that moment with at least one yeah. person. So, yeah. yeah, it's just it, it cracks me up that that's the person that would hook me into this and then is also the person that makes me mute things like I can't go back and watch, um, you know, like 2000 early 2000s Divas matches because his commentary is so insidious. Um, I can't listen to it. So, you know, <laughs> that's a fun, fun story for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Not I... that I had, I mean, the odds are like whoever hooks you into wrestling is not a great person. So like, <laughs> you know, it's not like we all have that good of a chance of like maintaining the, the veneer, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely for sure. I, I, I've told this story multiple times on the show, but like for me, like my first like wrestling character that I ever saw was gold dust. So hmm. like, it's one of those things where like, I'm immediately drawn to this definitely queer coded character being played by a right. straight man. Right. But at the same time, it's, it's while I know it's problematic, it's also like an awakening in a way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's like such a next level conversation that maybe wrestling, maybe the wrestling community isn't quite there yet for, um, but you see, you see this, this, um, I don't know if it's a debate so much as a discussion, but you see it in, in acting so much where it's like, can only queer actors play queer characters? Right. Um, and I think like, the answer is so complicated because when you have had to scratch out community because you were not given opportunities or because you are ashamed for who you are, um, yeah, obviously there's that like protective nature of like, no, you, you, you know, you should have an authentically, um, you know, presented character. And I think right now we see that a lot. I think like the argument is definitely like, trans women should play trans women men should not play trans women characters like that's obvious right yeah um but i think for wrestling purposes like you know there's 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 so much to like feel good about in your experience like connecting with gold dust right and then all those complicated feelings that come after when you realize who that person is behind the character. Um, you know, gay is not a gimmick. That's just not what we're doing. Yeah. In 2021. Um, 
but it is there's there's so much nuance to the to characters like that that make you feel so much that it's hard to like you know we're we're never gonna get rid of all the gold dust footage yeah no we're we're not and and like even even with the existence of the gold dust footage for the most part like there's still and, and like it's such an it is such a nuanced thing because like there is still definitely some good to pull from that, in that that was the first time you had a you really had a character like that on a major stage in a right. way, and it did speak to, you know, either people who were already like identifying as queer or people that were questioning where they were mm -hmm. at, mm -hmm. and 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 it kind of helps push them in that way. Like, but at the same time, like you have to rectify all of right. the, the issues with that as well and like i know dustin right. like is he's been out there like putting himself out as, a, as an ally in recent years you know but at the same time like uh... <laughs> yeah oh absolutely yeah it's it's cringe for sure um yeah. i think that's like the, the point is where maybe there are like more nuanced conversations happening in like that happening in the acting world um we're wrestling's always going to be behind and we don't have the same luxury of like putting on characters because the lines are so blurred and because there's been so much hurt and mockery and punching down. Um, so it's, they're two totally different situations. Uh, I was not trying to say that, Oh yeah, we can, we can blur the lines in wrestling too. Not what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I completely understand. Why do you think that um, wrestling isn't, to the point where they can like really take a look at, at that issue specifically and like have like that hardline stance. Like I know there are a number of people that already have put that out there and there are a number of, I want to say there's at least like a few promotions that are out there, like not like basically putting a hard line in the sand being like, you know, queer, like queer wrestlers play queer characters, straight wrestlers do not. Why do you, yeah. why do you think that conversation isn't to the point in, in wrestling specifically for uh, for the community to have that as a whole, I I don't know the why. I just know that wrestling is is behind, mm. always always behind. Wherever we are, uh, as a society, as an, an overall culture, whatever conversations we're having, um, wrestling is behind. Um, and I don't I don't know what the why is. I have maybe you know my own opinions or theories of it. Um, maybe it's because there's such a broad fan base, um, because people, every single type of person you can imagine is a fan of wrestling, right? Like there's no niche, um, fanhood. There's no like small targeted community that likes and enjoys wrestling. It's every single type of person. Um, so maybe that's why, because the fan base is so broad and the product has been so narrow for so long, um, for lack of, of, of better term. It just, it's, you know, it's always been based on stereotypes and been based on, um, you know, like these like low hanging fruit uh, characters and jokes and story beats. Um, but it is, it is behind no matter what the why is it's it's never going to be i don't know i don't want to say never but it it has not been nor is it still um up to date with with you know the general conversations that that um we're having 
Mm. Well, I mean, everything seems to be pushing in the right direction. Hopefully, the broader scope of pro wrestling will get there in, in time, you know. Um, but speaking of, of low-hanging fruit and stereotypical gimmicks, um, talk to me a little bit about the, whenever you do decide to get into pro wrestling and how um, you came to be known as Emma Lou. <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> God, that was good. Yeah, let's talk about low-hanging fruit and stereotypes. Woo! Hey y'all, it's Emma Lou. How you doing there? Yeah. I used to be, um, yeah, country gal, country gal Emma Lou. It was a gimmick that was bestowed upon me when I was, you know, barely three months into into training. And oh, what can I say? Other, I mean, yeah, low hanging fruit and stereotypes. It was definitely not a character I connected with. It was like putting on a mask it was such a severe um you know change from my own personality it was so distinct it was actually kind of great for learning how to perform because i was not afraid of people not liking emma lou because that's not me um and i was extremely loud and over the top with it and because i was working in rural rural virginia it worked Uh, really really well <laughs> it was a good gimmick for the area that I was in. Um and uh it, it played great. It really did. The 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 feelings that I had towards that character ended up being kind of complicated. Um not complicated at all, actually, very straightforward. Um I felt bad. I felt bad um putting on the accent and and the cowgirl hat and and talking to fans who felt like this character was a reflection. And in my mind, I was like, am I just mocking them to their faces? So yeah. Wow. What a good segue. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that you like talk about like talking, interacting with fans and like, you know, having that, that internal monologue for yourself, because like that is very comparable to the straight wrestler portraying queer characters sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's very much this sort of, like unspoken bait and switch and, and these internal dialogues that happen with the performers themselves. Like I can understand, like it can be very hard to buy into that sort of thing whenever you're, you, everything that you are representing in the ring is completely like fabricated, completely different from who you are. I will say that accent though, did make me feel at home. I'm from the South as well. And that, oh. did make, I was, <laughs> I, th- I thought it was really I'm not, just a slight little detour here. I thought it was very funny whenever um, I did like hear about the Emma Lou character initially because like watching you as Emma Lou and, and uh, the whole portrayal of everything, it reminded me of where I grew up in Georgia. And funnily enough, like I have a niece whose name is very close to Emma Lou. So it just, oh it just like God. rang Perfect. in my head. And like, we're just like, all I could think about was like my sister, like yelling for uh, my niece to come in for dinner and just like, like screaming ah! her name in that drawl. So. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. I mean, Emma Lou is a hoot and a half. I'll tell you what she, uh, <laughs> I, I do love doing the accent. Like, I think it's so funny, but again, like it's, <laughs> I think it's funny. Like that's not, <laughs> 
that's not a good reason to to use that as a gimmick um but yeah i uh you know what's, what's great though is that i grew up in new jersey ah so i don't even have like the no matter how much like cowgirl would or would not resonate with me um i didn't even grow up in a place with with an accent like that so so it's even more fabricated <laughs> it's even worse <laughs> I'm even worse for doing it. <laughs> uh, I mean, like you said, though, it was it was a it was something to get your foot in the door in in a way yeah. and helped and helped you right. kind of develop your your like yeah like sharpen your stone a bit when performing. Yeah. Um, I will say I don't know how it happened, but I I came across your your first match with Jordan Blade, friend of the show, and um. <laughs> I will say it was an interesting watch. Like it was like for for a first match, it was it was really good. Um, um, that I I was extremely lucky to be in the ring with two people who were really taking care of me: Jordan Blade and referee Chris Sharp. Um, so I was very very lucky. Speak to me a little bit more about about training with with uh, Sharp because you know when we had Jordan on the show, like she just ex expounded. Um, on on his influence over her yeah, i'm curious sure. if you had the same experience uh training under absolutely him. yeah absolutely um i don't know i've never heard anyone say anything negative about him um i certainly had a wholly positive experience with chris sharp um me and me and jordan trained together um in in central virginia and he was absolutely formative for me like i I learned so much from him in such an early point in my training that I, I don't think a lot of other people learn until much later because he was just always putting so much faith into us. Like he was like teaching us these like higher level thinking things, these um, pushing us to think about stuff that, you know, I had no business thinking about before I knew how to take, you know, a suplex or give a body slam you know he had me thinking about things um in wrestling and it really really has helped me so much there are still so many things that like his voice will pop into my head um or or things that he taught me are still so valuable he's um a really really good teacher a very good coach um and just so so knowledgeable he's one of the best mm. Now, like looking even like a little bit more at your training experience, like were you out uh, at the time whenever you started training? Um, yes. Okay. Um, it wasn't, again, not, I, not something that like I would talk about um, maybe at shows um, because it just wasn't part of like my character beat. There was, not, there was no reason for me to bring it up. Um, but, um, Jordan is also bi, so we talked about that a lot, um, or, you know, just connected, um, in that way. And then would talk about our, our relationships. Um, so. Hmm. Well, th that's another main reason why I was asking in a way is because like, you know, you and Jordan, like both of y'all have stated like how close of a relationship y'all have from, you know, the beginning of, of your wrestling journeys really. In a lot of ways and i just was curious if like having someone else who was part of the community there and being so close with with them like kind of helped you feel 
not necessarily comfortable about expressing that within the industry, but just kind of like gave you a bit of like salvo when when entering a business that has typically had the the attitudes that it's had towards queer people historically. I don't think that I could overstate how much of a positive impact and how lucky I am to have had Jordan Blade present from my first day of training onward. Um, I don't think I would have made it if not for her. She just, her, her sense of self and her confidence and her generosity in bringing me up to speed and helping me along um, just is something that I could never, ever, ever forget or overstate. That's awesome to hear. Uh, it's, it's, it just touches such a my heart. Answer, just like <laughs> she is the sun and moon to me. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so big, but it's so true. Um, and and there are stories that I will I would leave for her to tell. Um, but watching her handle situations with so much, um, sometimes grace, sometimes fire. Um, like I. I just I've learned so much from watching her either you know be cool or get angry um and and she's just an inspiration she really is she's tough (laughs) that she is that she is yeah in a (laughs) word she's tough All right, Yens, thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Um, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get a five-day free trial and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get five days free. Check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT RingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. So you start working in like rural Virginia and, and kind of getting your, your feet underneath you. At what point do you start kind of breaking out into like larger areas or, or places where you feel more um, 
comfortable, like starting to feel like breaking away from this Emma Lou character and feeling comfortable, like exploring yourself as a persona in a way. So the um, break from Emma Lou was um, more a matter of like function and circumstance because I got injured. So I was just out of the ring completely anyway. Um, and it, and it was, it was just time. I was like, um, already starting to feel like discomfort with the, uh, I, was, I was already starting to feel uncomfortable with the disingenuous character. Um, not that every character has to be, you know, exactly who you are, but, um, I was already starting to feel that itch of like, like I think I need to move away from this or move on or like you know take all the good things I learned from this and like apply it somewhere else and do something a little bit more authentic to me so when I was out and injured and not wrestling I was thinking you know like what I could come back as and before I started wrestling again I was managing and I got to take a road trip to Ohio with Billy Dixon and Jared Evans and I think that was really like a turning point for me where I was like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> I'm not riding in a car with a bunch of straight guys. Like <laughs> this is fun. Like I'm having a much better time. <laughs> um, so that was definitely like a turning point for, if not my character development, definitely my personal development and like how I felt about the, it was the first time I had been in like a queer space, right? Like being in a car with two other queer people and being like, Oh, this is quite comfortable and quite fun. And like, I could be in more spaces like this. Um, that was really cool. So shout out to Billy and Jared for a formative road trip. Thanks y'all. <laughs> no, and, and I think that, that that's a really interesting idea to kind of like give you a space in a way to have more of that moment to real, of realization for yourself in a way. To feel comfortable for exploring what else you could um, portray in terms of your your presentation in that mm -hmm. way, in terms of your expression, and I think that's one thing that queer spaces really cultivate more so than a lot of other places. So it makes total sense in, in a way. Yeah, for sure. And I don't mean to say like every road trip with you know people who aren't queer is a drag. That's not true. It's just. Um, you know, it was the first time I had been in that space and I was like, wow, this is comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no. like being able to stretch your legs out, right? You're like, oh yeah, this is what I've been missing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you definitely did stretch your legs out coming out of that because uh, obviously um, that 90s chick uh, was born not too long after that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, when I started wrestling again, um, when my my boot came off, <laughs> um, the '90s chick was born, and definitely not fully fleshed. But uh, over the next year, kind of got more and more um, actualized um, until I decided to move to Philadelphia, and then that was sort of um, that was a huge risk for me obviously like anytime you pick up and move to pursue a career or a dream or a passion like it's, it's a risk um but it paid off I, I, there, I was only there for about five months because then the pandemic hit but um it just paid off 
in spades for me. I got to meet a lot of people and train um, at Chikara with some with some great trainers. Um, uh, Hallow Wicked and a very good professional wrestler. So I was able to like up my game in, in a really significant way, even in the short time that I spent with them. Um, and I got to work on a different character, which was really fun. And I miss um, Donna Rama existed in the Chikara universe. Um, that was awesome. So much fun. Like what an experience to play a completely different character yet again. Um, but I think that also helped my performance as Erica Lee, the 90s chick, um, just getting more and more practice and, and putting on the like performer's cap and um, stuff like that. So that, that was another huge catalyst for finding a voice uh, for the 90s chick. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely comes across like I think the first time that I was introduced to, to you was at Butch versus Gore, which would have been like right there, whenever, like right before the pandemic hit and where it kind of lines up with you like That's before, yeah. moving back from Philly in, in a way. Um, so I don't know, like what what about um, what about going to um, Chikara really helped you? I mean, obviously Donnarumma was was there, and that was a, another fun character. But what about that experience really helped you kind of shape and and fully, like, finally fully form Erica Lee? Um, truthfully, being in in Philadelphia was more um, of like a tactical, like logistics move. Um, I never moved specifically to work at Chikara I did move to like train there but the plan was always to just be in the northeast and be in Philadelphia which is such a hub and be around it was more about being near better promotions and being like having access to um more wrestling because you know Virginia is like five hours from lots of you know lots of the more like bustling wrestling places and Philadelphia was definitely like a hub for wrestling so um being in Philadelphia was more important to me than working at Chikara training at Chikara was really important but um being able to hop in a car for a weekend and go up to Massachusetts or go to New Jersey was really important and I think in the short time that I was there I did make the most of it in in the ways that I could and just working more and seeing more places and putting myself out there more was really what moved along um my my character and my career and my in-ring work mm. I mean it definitely showed too because like you know coming off of that you obviously like that sends you right into this 2020 that is just massive in a lot of ways like if there's a queer show you're on it there's and like plenty of other like high profile indies in that area um you're on it like i think 2020 was just a, a huge year for you um and it seems like that that move to to philly helped set that up for you in a way absolutely yeah i feel um very fortunate, very lucky, very grateful that I took that chance on myself, even if it didn't end the way that I thought it would, because no one saw the pandemic coming, obviously. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I do feel like um, despite all the obstacles of 2020, I did create a bit of momentum for myself and um, 
I I'm pretty excited about it. I think <laughs> I know I I worked really hard and it was nice to see. <laughs> you know, I I did. I I, I gotta say, um, it was nice to see um, the work pay off. Um, obviously this time last year, there were a lot of question marks and it was very scary and I was super bummed out, um, uh, just watching every show get canceled and then like the mania weekend get canceled. And I had so much set up that I was excited about. Um, but you know, new year, new opportunities. Um, it's, it's, the world is still turning. So here we are. Exactly. So, Take me back to that that pre-pandemic era just a little bit. What happens whenever Billy Dixon calls you up and says, hey, we're doing this all-queer show. We're doing Queer Starcade, basically, which Ooh. was the score. What what What's running through your mind whenever he calls you up and says, I want you on this show? Just like pure excitement, right? Like, I know, I, I knew what um, Primetime had been doing um like uh, because I, I'm from the area I I had an eye on them and, and Jordan had worked for them and I was you know hoping to work for them soon so then when Billy said he was booking you know, an all-queer show for them um that being Butch versus Gore I was like yes this is going to be great um because the fan base they had created in such a short time was so electric and that's all anyone ever said about those shows was like the the energy was just you know, indescribable, like what a joy to be a part of, like so exciting. And I was like, okay, cool. Need to get there. So when Billy was like, yeah, we're doing an all queer show. You're going to be on it. I was just like, <laughs> I knew it was going to be great. Um, obviously I, I actually going that, that night actually happening and, and experiencing it was more than I could have expected more than I knew it was going to be, even though I knew like it was going to be special. It just it blew me away seeing all the people there, all the fans and all the other talent. Um, it was such an incredible night. Um, and people still, they talk about it with such glowing review still. Like it's, it's so cool to have been part of a show that is like so well-regarded and so highly thought of. Um, Billy can, Billy can really book one hell of a show. <laughs> for sure. And, and I think that that event gets talked about in those terms for good reason. You know, I think it was really the I, first big event in this sort of like push for LGBTQ. Um, I won't say acceptance, but just LGBTQ presence within the, the pro wrestling industry. It's like that first, like put, like put your foot down moment in a way is like, we're here and we can do this shit just as good as anybody. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, I think having like, a diverse queer locker room, a diverse show where it's not, um, it's not a, a straight person booking a match with, with a high profile queer person and being like, look, we did it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a different um, feel and intention. And it's, it's, so much more authentic obviously to have queer people booking queer um um wrestlers and just telling stories you know it's not the story of look the queer wrestler beat the straight wrestler because we booked you a nice little match like it's it's we can tell nuanced stories and we can tell um 
different stories and you don't have to think about the the you know the i don't know if virtue signaling is the right word but you you don't have to think about like tokenism or something like that when the whole show is queer um it's such a it's such a great feeling to just like yeah like you said that, that foot down moment of like no like this is this is the whole show. We're doing it. We're here. Watch us succeed. Um, you know, have have fun watching like that. <laughs> that um, that's powerful, and I think that is really part of like what made Butch versus Gore so successful and special. No, I I definitely agree with you. Like that and that event. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and it's like that energy is definitely continued um in the the cassandra cup show upcoming it's it's like just such a it's such an important not tokenizing people identity is i i love having all those queer spaces that are are like yeah we're 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 focusing on the wrestling not necessarily like tokenizing or or stereotyping the the identity of one or two people but we're focusing on the wrestling and the storytelling um and paying homage to people who are doing this work long before us um it's such a such a special event no i i definitely i definitely agree with you and it's been awesome to see that energy continue forth a year later now all throughout 2020 right. and into passing Butch versus gore's birthday and into the cassandra cop like i am personally very excited to to see what y'all have in store for everyone on the 28th um i do want to like ask you one th more thing about the the first butch versus Gorda before we move sure. on a little bit so one of the uh more like memorable things for for me coming out of that show was uh the lisa frank chance Oh yeah! <laughs> I, I was I was curious to ask you like how how did you receive those like how did that make you feel to hear like the Lisa Frank chants in the crowd that night? That was great. I was so so like surprised and happy about that um, because being in like a multi man match like that it is kind of tough to stick out, um, and I just I never know if like my um, I, I guess. I just didn't realize how much people like the look. <laughs> I don't know. It's it just like the, the Lisa Frank um, vibe like translated so well because that was like really what I was going for. And they just like hit the nail on the head. It was so cool. It's like, this is great. I didn't expect this at all. Like, I don't think anyone, I didn't think anyone there would know of me or know who I was. Um, and I definitely didn't expect them to like really, really like me, you know, like I hoped, obviously you hope, but um, that was really cool. That was awesome for me. Great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, come, moving past Butch versus Gore into the rest of your 2020, obviously you had great appearances with Uncanny Attractions on their cinematic show. Yeah, obviously Paris is Bumping was, was a very, very fun, memorable and, and historic in its own right. Um, all the work with Camp Leapfrog, whether you're a werewolf or not a werewolf uh, at any given point, has been awesome to watch. But for my <laughs> money, my favorite match of yours from the past year has to be the first Polyam Cult uh, party. You and Billy Dixon for the Chocolate City Championship, because of just how 
hard hitting and vicious it was in in a way like obviously like you busted yeah. your nose in that match and that created yeah. an amazing visual for the match itself well but... well i do have to correct you there okay. i did not bust my nose billy, billy. busted my yes. nose okay <laughs> billy busted your nose <laughs> <laughs> yeah that match was brutal huh it was vicious <laughs> no, but it showed us a different side of you like obviously you got a little yeah. bit of that in in, the, in that multi-man match at um at butch versus gore um or, mm -hmm. or mixed gender match rather um and um but mm. you still had some fire in that but it, it was a completely different version of that in a way in that match and i don't know whether it was because billy busted your nose open or it's just because <laughs> you're in there with a close friend and y'all are just like going for it tell me talk to me a little bit about what that match and that event as a whole because very few pro wrestling events that i know of are held in the backyard of a house in a Bushwick Brooklyn <laughs> yeah that was I was an insane venue um I had no idea what I was walking into and uh, I don't think anybody really did we made we made certainly a memorable um show happen there it was it was pure insanity um but but yeah working working with Billy that that night where it was uh, <laughs> I think I had, I had been getting the critique a lot that I wasn't showing enough intensity um, or that I wasn't serious enough. I was being too goofy, too dancey, too, um, too light and silly. And I didn't look like I was there to fight anybody. Um, and so I think not that it was intentional at all. Um, you know, I didn't set out to, to break my nose that night. Um, but I think it was um, it was an opportunity that it, it resulted in me showing my intensity, um, planned or not, right? Like intention or not, um, I was able to show people that I can, that I can, I that I am intense, that I am a fighter, that I am serious. So um, maybe not the way that a lot of my mentors would have wanted me to start showing intensity but uh it is the way that it happened and i think you're right a lot of people know me for that match or um that was maybe the first time they had seen me and were impressed but it definitely made um an impression on a lot of people um i mean wiping your own blood on your face like war paint will do that uh <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it was it was um a breakout match for me for sure uh, for sure for you personally like looking back on the past year is there any specific match or, or event that stands out to you as being um uh, like not necessarily like more significant but of a special significance to you uh, um there i i really I, it's so funny um Jordan and I have just had such different paths and different experiences and we're such different people, but we've, it seems like we keep coming up to like big moments together. Um, so we were in the, the, um, the women's gardens invitational, um, at the, you know, now defunct synergy pro wrestling, um, uh, that we were in that tournament together and and she fought Trisha Dora and I fought Tasha Steeles um and 
that night was, I, I don't, I, I think I was just so stressed out before it. Um, and, and, and like, you know, anxious, I'm, I'm always anxious on, on show days and like want to just get to it, but it wasn't until after, um, both of our matches that it really started to sink in that I was like, Oh, this was really special. Um, and being in a locker room with so many, um, so many talented people, that was such a special night for me. And, and being able to like, look at, um, and watch Jordan, um, fighting Trish and, and, you know, having a, a higher profile match myself like that. It was, it was really cool to like, look at this person who I took my first bump in front of, you know, like, <laughs> like Jordan's been there from day one. Um, and I think it really cemented in my mind, like how lucky I am to, to have her, um, have, to have met her so early on. And then, and for some crazy reason, we keep coming up to these like big moments, um, either near each other or on exactly the same show, you know, like it, um, <laughs> it is, it's, it's, that show is really special to me. Um, and I know like, uh, not everybody feels comfortable talking about synergy, um, uh, considering everything that just happened, but there's nothing that anyone else can do that can take away the match that I had or the match that Jordan had. Mm. Um, so that's how I feel about it. Yeah. And, and I think like in situations like that, as we've seen play out with the, with the synergy situation, I think that's really the main thing to have because like, you know, those, those moments will still live, you know, despite any of the, you know, stuff that's happening behind the scenes there or anything mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. so i right. think it's and you know i watched that tournament that tournament was great like i i with you on that as well like and seeing just that journey it's it's funny you you mentioned the, the journey of how you and jordan keep ending up on these big stages together or close to mm -hmm. each other because that's happening again at the end of the month uh, with the cassandra cup um right obviously right, you're in, right. yeah because obviously you're in the tournament Jordan is teaming up with Elo Neal, Kings of the District, to take on uh, Team Bussy, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Alley Cat and Effie. Um, right. So I, I, there's just so much about this card coming up that it's just so intriguing to me. Um, yes. Talk to me a little bit about the about Cassandra Cup specifically. Like, obviously, it's been very tight-lipped on details uh, since the taping mm -hmm. and everything, <laughs> and understandably yeah. heard some. There was some late night. It was a late night there, um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, talk to me a little bit about Cassandra Cup, at least as much as you can divulge at the moment. Like, what what was it like to have this tournament put together and to be a part of this tournament that has that carries the namesake of someone who is, you know, regarded as a legend for you know not just queer pro wrestling but pro wrestling in general. Um. Yeah, the um, the namesake for the tournament, Cassandra. That you know, we've talked so much about how the community has opened up, and and we have so many more opportunities, and we have so much less to be fearful of now, which is great. But then you have to acknowledge, you know, where we were, um, and just being out and being so so visible um, for so long is such a beautiful, powerful, brave thing. So I've, I love that we're paying homage to, to Cassandro and the show was, 
I cannot wait for people to see this show. I cannot wait. I think um, the the fact that there was so much time between the taping and the air date was the biggest mistake that we made (laughs) (laughs) because it has been absolute torture to to have so much time to wait um I I love this show I think everyone else is going to love this show um there's so there's so much there's so much to watch um uh and enjoy and and um be entertained by in this show so yeah definitely very excited cannot wait to watch it cannot wait to see what the reaction is um it's gonna be amazing (laughs) i i definitely can't wait you spoke earlier about how the 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 show the cassandra cup kind of carries the spirit from the first butch versus gore into Mm -hmm. it in a way like obviously like butch versus gore is no longer just a show it's a it's a brand now Mm -hmm. um so it would make sense that that would be carried over for you specifically. How, how do you see the spirit of that first event being carried over into the Cassandra cup? So much about, um, Butch versus Gore, the first show. Um, so much about that night was thanks to the energy from the fans, right? Like it was such a, such a great energy, such a cool vibe in that venue. And it was, it was the fans who brought, um, so much of that to life for us, the, the wrestlers. Um, it's, it's always so, so much more fun and so much more um, entertaining when you have fans that are invested and vocal and energized and you can play off of them and, and feed into them. And that it's, it's an unreal feeling. So then fast forward a year later to, you know, a closed set taping without fans the Cassandra cup does not have fans. Um, so it is extremely different in that sense, but the thread that carries through is that it's a show meant to showcase wrestling, queer wrestlers, but it's a show meant to showcase wrestling. It's not we talked about it earlier. It's not tokenizing. It's not stereotyping. It's not, um, you know, propping one person up. Um, it's a collective effort to put on a great show and, and prove to people that it's, you know, queer wrestling is not a niche product. It's not a comedy act. It's not a character beat. Queer wrestlers are just wrestling and they're putting on damn good shows. So the, the product is exceptional and I'm, I'm just really excited for everyone to see it but but yeah I think that's the energy that is carried through is that um, when you give a space when you give an authentic opportunity to people they show out instead of giving like a token spot to one person to prove a point that you have no intent on on really making in the long run um, it's such a different experience and vibe and and intention so yeah having that all queer space with people um telling wrestling stories um it's just so so great so great i'm so excited i'm so excited for people to see it (laughs) no and like i said before i i don't know if i can express enough excitement over like looking forward to watching this show just um after seeing everything that that Billy and Lo have done together over the past year and just going forward it's I don't know I it I have there's an expectation now in a way of like just 
more landmark moments in a way uh, in a, in a mm. year that we've seen of landmark moments in, in a lot of ways so a lot of a lot of hype i don't really like that word that much but it's it's there um for, for it's this appropriate one. in a sense right exactly exactly um so i guess um my last question for you as we start winding down here um you know cassandra cups coming up obviously um last year whenever the pandemic hit, you had mania bookings that are did not happen, obviously. But this year, mania is back in a way, and the collective is running again, and you mm -hmm. are booked <laughs> for real hot girl shit. Yeah. Alley Cat's real hot girl shit. Um what is That's it true. what does it uh mean to you to have that opportunity now to like obviously last year is last year, but this year yeah. like you are going like you're gonna be on one of the larger stage for independent stages for independent pro wrestling. What is that? What does that hit for you? Um, it's, it's the buildup of a lot of hard work and a lot of, um, you know, you, I'm trying not to, you know, I, I don't like to dwell on, on what could have been, or what opportunities didn't, um, didn't come to fruition, but this time last year, um you know when everything was being canceled being canceled being canceled um I was sort of you know I was I was bummed out about it obviously but I was like well obviously this has to happen we can't just go have a wrestling show like it's not going to happen there's no point crying over it like we're all stopping there's no one getting ahead without you we're all stopping and then I think it was probably like something in my calendar popped up on the day that I was supposed to be at a show for for um a um a, a, a a weekend show and I was like oh man this hurts this hurts I don't like this I was supposed to do something really cool today <laughs> <laughs> so to to you know fast forward a year later and and finally uh you know it hasn't happened yet I'm trying not to jinx anything right but it looks like um things are going in a positive direction and and nothing's gonna prevent us from having this weekend it is a great feeling to be excited for this and to be, to 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 have these opportunities that you know I, I had worked for and i've been working for and they're finally going to happen um and i won't have to have my facebook memories pop up next year of things that were canceled um is it's great i'm, I'm super excited and i'm 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 ready to to show up and show out because we've all been waiting for this so it's it's great no and, and i think there's a lot of anticipation um and you know concern in the, in the right way i think for for everything that's happening down there but um still a lot of anticipation oh absolutely like it's so yeah it's it's you know um it's what am i gonna say it's a selfish thing traveling to florida to wrestle it's a selfish thing i'm doing it for me i'm not doing it for anybody else right um but we're all i try to be really cautious about it and do it in the safest way that i can and and, and that might you know sound like bullshit to some people and and maybe it is it's not going to be a party it's not going to it's not going to be the the mania weekend that maybe i had dreamt of before a pandemic hit but um the opportunities are still there and probably for the best that I'm just going to be, you know, quietly going from booking to place to sleep, mask on, no like party. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it might end up being just a little bit more rational. Who knows? <laughs> I think, I think more rational is probably the best 
way to put it, considering the reputation of Mania Weekend's past. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, was there anything that, that we, we didn't get to? We? I think we're on to something here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> was there anything um, that we didn't get to that you wanted to, we have, to talk uh, about? We have... I have um, the, the Cassandra Cup on the 28th. I have a, um, a pay-per-view on Fight on the 20th. I have LeapFrog Live on the 20th. Um, and that airs on Facebook. Um, the Fight TV pay-per-view is for Pro Wrestling Magic. Um, that's the Ides of March show where I take on Darius Carter for the Dark Arts Championship, which you, you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, those are all the upcoming shows I have, I think. Unless I'm forgetting something. Don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for coming on, Erica. Let everybody know where they can find you online and, and read all of your poo-poo pee-pee tweet-tweets. Yeah, come follow me on there. I talk about poo-poo and pee-pee um, at Erica Russell's. Um, same on Instagram. I think there's an underscore in there somewhere but if you search erica wrestles i'll pop up um it's a it's a good time over on the twitter sphere on the tweet tweet machine i'm real weird <laughs> <laughs> honestly that that's um, the that's um, the way real real weird what else can i say <laughs> that's the way we would want it though it's the wave of the future exactly. yeah i i did i did one of those voice tweets where I was just laughing like maniacally just this really <laughs> weird like guttural laugh and one of my friends uh, um just recently was like that was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen you do or I've ever heard you do and it was just it was like probably 20 seconds of laughter and that's all I just tweeted it out with no context so at Erica Russell's come have fun <laughs> Oh, I <laughs> Who love knows it. what I'll say next? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. My thanks once again to Erica Lee for, for coming on the show. This is a, a fun uh, and um, serious at times conversation, but all around enjoyable and can't wait to have the chance to talk to her again. Definitely make sure you... Uh, check her out on Pro Wrestling Magic coming up this weekend and then next Sunday the 28th Erica Lee's going to be in the Cassandro Cup tournament with a shot at Lee Moriarty in the IWTV Independent Wrestling Championship on the line uh, as well as another Mania booking <laughs> or Mania Weekend booking rather so um, it's going to be a stellar show uh, I cannot wait and I also cannot wait for next week uh, because we have another entrant in the Cassandra Cup tournament coming on the show. I'm not going to reveal who yet, as we do most of the time on this show. The, the guests are always a little bit of a surprise. But either way, it's one of the eight. We've had two of them already with AC Mack and Erica Lee. Who of the other six might it be? It, either way, I, I, don't, <laughs> I feel weird, like, dangling a carrot. Anywho, um, fun show this week fun show next week um and then after that we'll all get to sit down and watch a fun wrestling show in the cassandra cup um but until next week y'all stay messy wash your hands wear your mask and donate to the aapi stop asian hate Everybody.
Bye.